The following is a production of the Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. Everyone, welcome back to Twitch. I'm Sho Ali here for another episode of UFBA Today. Thank you for joining me. Uh, always fun to be here, chat some basketball, look around the world of the NBA, and certainly the UFBA as well. It's pretty crazy. As the uh, title suggests, only just about three weeks left until the NBA playoffs begin. So the play-in tournament in the NBA starts, I believe, on April 12th, which I believe is a Tuesday. And uh, runs until the 15th, and then the NBA playoffs themselves uh, begin on April 16th. Um, for fantasy purposes, I've said this before, but for fantasy basketball purposes, generally speaking, the uh, playoffs in, in, in redraft leagues and even some dynasty leagues, right, they typically end when the real-life playoffs begin. But because here at UFF Sports, we uh, try to simulate as closely to the real thing as possible, so our playoffs actually run concurrently with the playoffs in uh, the NBA, right? So... There will be some play-in tournament spots. There will be some play-in drafts to fill out new rosters. There will be playoff drafts. Teams that make the playoffs, the top six seeds in the UFBA playoffs, will also be able to... Uh, will also be able to... How do we want to put this? Uh keep their players from the real-life NBA teams that actually make the playoffs and then also draft from the pool of available players for UFBA teams that did not make the playoffs, right? So there's a lot going on, and uh, again, April 11th, it looks like, will be our play-in draft for those teams that are going to be from, you know, that 7 to 10 range. So we'll have those teams ready to go for a play-in draft, and then the playoff draft will take place right before the NBA playoffs start. So lots going on, right? Lots going on in the UFBA, lots going on in the NBA. Um, on this show today, uh, I want to get to a lot of stuff. We'll play some highlights. We'll take a look at some of the more interesting individual plays and some uh, some things going on with the Miami Heat, apparently, that went on last night. So we'll take a look at that. Um, the UFBA standings as well. The UFWBA franchise auction just wrapped up in the open market. Uh, has launched for scouts as well. So uh, it's been a pretty busy uh, pretty busy week since we last did this. So why don't we get right into it? I want to start, first of all, with the UFWBA franchise auction results. Now, the UFWBA, of course, is the uh, Women's Basketball League, the Women's Basketball Association, WBA, right? Here on the UFF Sports platform, really exciting that I get to be a part of it, that you get to be a part of it in terms of launching the first ever women's sport on the UFF platform. Uh, which is pretty cool. So we're going to have that. Uh, all the information is, of course, at basketball.uffsports.com. You can also join us on the Telegram chat. Uh, but, of course, the UFWBA franchise auction, 12 teams mirroring the exact same way the uh, WNBA operates in real life. Um, we're going to have the uh, veteran player draft to fill out rosters. We're going to have the uh, top prospects or futures auction as well draft for teams that have... You know, want to fill out the uh, stars of the future, grab those stars of the future from the WNBA. The WNBA draft itself is on April 11th as well, so there's a lot of basketball stuff happening in the coming uh, in the coming weeks. I want to show you guys this, um, for those who are watching. This is the UFWBA logo, which is pretty cool. Kevin Lewis, who will join me in a future episode, and he's been on the show in the past as well. Um, he managed to come up with this all on his own, so he, he put this together for us, and uh, it was instrumental in making sure uh, all that stuff was... 
uh, ready to go for the UFWBA franchise auction. I, I got to say, I was very, very encouraged by the results. We had a number of new bidders as well. The uh, It's funny, the franchise auction typically in the last couple of minutes of bidding usually is a little frantic. Uh, we had a bid, a bidding war between uh, a new a new owner in the uh, UFF Sports ecosystem, Sylvia Crawley, who is a former uh, WNBA player herself, former college basketball player, and is currently an assistant coach um, in college basketball as well, which is pretty cool. So, she is now the proud owner of the number one overall draft pick because, you know, the way it works is the way you end up, the, the, the I guess the order, the final order of the bidding is the order of the draft, I guess, is to explain it the most simply, a simple way possible, right? So Sylvia, and I believe the uh, Bull City Blazers is what she has settled on for her name, which is kind of cool. So the first name also for the UFWBA um, is, uh, is official. Uh, they're working on the logos there with that group. And again, Kevin Lewis, the director of women's basketball and the acting commissioner for this league is going to join me in, in a future episode. And we'll chat all things uh, women's basketball as the season gets going on. Uh, I believe it is May 6th, Friday. Uh, May 6th. Um, pretty cool, though. Uh, 7850 7, USD dollars. Uh, were the final totals for all 12 teams, 181,000 plus SCO tokens is what uh, came in from that. So a large chunk of that will go to maintaining the league. And of course, another large chunk will go towards the UFWBA prize pool split over three seasons. So you'll probably see something like a, maybe like a 65, 30 what is that, 10 or maybe a 65, 25, 10% split, whatever the numbers work out to be over the next three seasons so we can continue building the prize pool that way but yeah the ufwba very successful and uh very pleased that that's now the first women's sport on the uff platform so look out for more news on that to come we'll probably do a lot of the uh, the various updates here on the uh the uff sports platform i'm very much looking forward to it uh what i mean i want to look ahead to the open market as well the open market, of course, we talked about this last time out, where scouts can register any player that was not purchased in the futures auction from a couple of weeks ago, right? So when when the open market opened, it opened on the 21st at 6 p.m. Eastern, right at 6 p.m. I swear there are about 100 registrations right away, some duplicates because some people wanted to get to some guys first and so on. But at the same time, uh, it was very, uh, very, very exciting, I guess, to see the kinds of players that scouts were going and digging up out of the woodwork. March Madness is going on right now, which is also a lot of fun because you can see the maybe some guys pop that didn't during the regular season or they're getting more eyeballs on them now that we're in the kind of like NCAA playoffs, I guess is what we're calling it, right? So uh, the open market, definitely a big part of the, uh, the the UFBA ecosystem. And in the near future, it'll be how free agents are added to fantasy leagues going forward. That's already how it exists for hockey and already how it exists for football. And uh, now that we've launched it in basketball, that's how it will be come next season. But for now, it is also the way that scouts can grab who they feel will be stars of the future. So I wanted to show you a couple of uh, players that I really liked the grabs for. So this is City Sissoko, okay? Um, another player that I think we'll be hearing a lot about in the not-too-distant future um, across the NBA and in the UFBA, grabbed by the Street Spirits squad. Uh, there are four of them, right? Not one, not two, not three, but four scouts. Uh, Luca, who is the team's GM, Alessandro, Simone, and Mick, and uh, all four of those guys do a fantastic job, and they, they told me later that CD was, and I hope I'm not mispronouncing his name, but they told me that uh, this guy was their number one target in the, uh, in the open market, and 
for good reason, because I can tell you from, I was one who approved all of these players personally. There were about seven or eight individual scouts who tried to register Sissoko here. So something tells me we'll be uh, talking about him for a long time to come, which is pretty exciting. Another scout registered Kel L. Ware. I love this picture too. This is a fantastic picture of him kind of hanging on the rim. I love that uniform. Um, another, another, I think 2024, maybe 23, 24 draft prospect, but he's a high school senior. So uh, we'll probably see him in the not too distant future. Again, probably not next year, but in the year after that. Uh, very tall, as you can see here, from the way he is proportioned to the actual basketball rim. You can see, uh, you can see how big this guy is. Um, another a fantastic pickup. And, uh, and I think from this one here, uh, another very popular player from the Florida State Seminoles, um, John Butler, who is, I, I, I could be wrong, I think he is eligible to be drafted in 2022, we'll have to see. If not 22, seems pretty likely he'll go in 23, um, but again, between now, it's March 24th, the draft isn't until June, so well, there's a lot of time in between now and then where we can see players declare or say, hey, I'm going back to school, but... Uh, John Butler is another one of those guys who I have a feeling is going to get a lot of looks at the NBA level. Is he going to be a top guy in the NBA? I don't know. It's very possible. But is he going to be a nobody? I I, I have my doubts, right? He's going to be pretty good, I think, at some point in the NBA, which is kind of exciting. So there you go. There's John Butler, Ware, and C.D. Sissoko, whoops, uh, all from... Uh, the various uh, NBA franchises and uh, college franchises as well, now, now owned by scouts. In the first, I want to say, we, we started at 6 p.m. Eastern. I want to say by maybe like 12 a.m., so the next six hours, I think we had registered well over 100 prospects, which is really exciting. So, I mean, you know, you compare it to the various other sports, you know, hockey is much smaller than football, for example, 53-man rosters in football versus what, like 15-man rosters <laughs> in basketball. But it's, it's always fascinating because those two sports are very similar in the sense that when you draft a high rookie, those guys are probably going to contribute for your team right away, right? When you draft a prospect in baseball, there's a real, like, unless you're getting a guy who is a can't-miss prospect, and even then that guy's probably not going to participate, like, right away. Um, it's always fascinating to see how different sports value their prospects, right? Because look at Bobby Witt Jr. for the Kansas City Royals. Bobby Witt Jr. is probably, probably going to play this year for the Royals. More than likely at some point. Is he going to break camp with the team? I think that's still up in the air, but, I, I you know, at the same time the Royals are a rebuilding roster look at the Blue Jays Gabriel Moreno and Elvis Martinez you can see my 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 hat where is it there you go my hat right uh, right over there <laughs> uh you can see my hat there so I'm obviously an unabashed Blue Jays fan but Moreno and Elvis Martinez are those guys for sure gonna play for the Blue Jays this year I don't actually know right and they they probably could come up and be very good we saw Wander Franco do it last year but at the same time, if they didn't play at all in the majors this year, would anyone be surprised? No, right? Whereas Cade Cunningham, I mean, he was injured, so maybe he's a bad example right off the bat. But you look at Evan Mobley, you look at uh, Scotty Barnes, you look at Jalen Suggs and Jalen Green and, and Wagner and all these, Jonathan Kaminga, you look at all these different guys who are actually getting on NBA courts. And what's more, in uh, fantasy basketball, actually contributing to teams, right? I mean, I, I would be shocked in redraft leagues, I would be shocked if some champions did not have Eben Mobley, Scotty Barnes, or Kate Cunningham on them. Honestly, like those guys have been gold, maybe not all season long. So like I mentioned, Cunningham was injured uh, to start the year. Scotty Barnes had that stretch like right at the end of 2021, beginning of 2022, when he had the sprained thumb and he was a little injured, figuring out his place in the offense. 
tons of guys were sick, remember, but there was a point where you could see Scotty Barnes bringing the ball up the point and hand, like running the Raptors' offense. I just I find it fascinating how rookies across the NBA are worked into the game plan on a, on a game-by-game basis. Not all rookies are like this, obviously. Josh Giddy is another one we've talked about before for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I know he was injured, but, but still, right? It, it's going to be really fascinating to see this current crop of NBA prospects. I mean, Jabari Smith, Paolo Bancaro, and Chet Holmgren, I think are going to be used right away. Holmgren in particular, I still think Jabari Smith is going to go number one overall. Uh, but on honestly, I am going to be, I'm fascinated to see how Chet Holmgren is used depending on the team he goes to. I would love to see Holmgren play next to Cade Cunningham in Detroit. That would be a, a great one-two punch for years to come. I just, you look at him play in March Madness, and I just can't help but think there's no way he's going to be bad, right? I mean, he, he's so he's such an oddly proportioned human being compared to like you and I. But when it comes to NBA players, I mean, he, he his wingspan is incredible. He's super lanky, very tall. I just can't wait to see him play at the NBA level. And, and again, um, the mods, Joanne Mod, that scout grabbing Chet Holmgren in the futures auction for, I believe it was $255 US. Look, there's a, re there's a real possibility He's not good. I know I just said he, I, but I, I just feel like it's it's a slim. It's it's, it's a non-zero chance, but it's as close to zero I feel like as you can get. Chet Holmgren is going to be very good very soon. Okay, um, let's chat a little bit more about the UFBA itself and uh, the standings as well. Let's get to those standings. Here we go. And uh, these standings were updated. Uh, yesterday, I believe. Today, March 24th, is when the period ends. So this these standings will look different at the end of today, but. As we look at these standings here, it's pretty exciting to see the Spitfire Aviators still managing to stay ahead of the pack in the Bird Conference, right? Uh, also, I'm very pleased we managed to get those Bird Magic Conference naming things down earlier this year. Very happy, but there you go. Bird Conference, Aviators leading the way. It's 64-8. and eight. The Majesty, 57-15, and 15, seven games back. Arctic Wolves, 10 games back of the Aviators, and then the Ballers, Sharpshooters, and Lucky 13 rounding out those top six. So I mentioned off the top of the show... Uh, we have a lot of different uh, ways we're going to be handling the uh, a lot of different ways we're going to be handling the uh, not just the not just the UFBA itself, but the playing tournament. And you can see again in the in the yellow spots there on the screen, those are the teams that right now are in playing spots. So the Crusaders, Mambas, Cosmos, and Sharks will be competing if the playoffs started right this second tonight for a playing spot, right? So they would, in theory, start with zero players on their rosters, and then they would draft their rosters from the available pool of NBA teams that are in the playing rosters and playing uh, spots in real life, right? So I believe right now it's something like the Raptors, the Hawks, uh, the Hornets, I believe, right? Like you have a bunch of other teams in those seven to 10 spots, and then once the play-in tournaments are over and we have the seven and eight seeds set then whoever makes it out of those seven to ten spots here will then join the top six and then we can have a full-on play-in draft right so look at the magic conference right you got the skyhooks at 67 and 5 the midnight owls at 64 and 8 the bombers at 47 and 25 and it's funny you can see the really the real disparity between the the midnight owls and skyhooks and the rest of the conference i don't think that necessarily means that their head and shoulders better, but they have drafted very well. The Skyhooks getting a lot of those rookies I mentioned before, right? Cunningham, Mobley, Barnes, Giddy. Um, the Skyhooks also have LeBron James and Tyler Harrow, so they did a fantastic job drafting their roster and also filling it out with young players. So that's going to be a lot of fun to watch going forward as well for the Skyhooks. I'm curious to see how far 
their roster can take them. But then again, how many of those players will actually be going deep into the NBA playoffs? That will affect a lot of these rosters, right? As well as you drafted in the regular season, the play-in and the NBA playoffs themselves are kind of a different beast, right? So we'll be looking forward to that. Uh, the Bombers, Vipers, Reapers, and Hustlers are all so mashed together, especially those bottom three teams from teams, I guess, four, five, and six, all basically with the same record and all <laughs> the same games back of the Skyhook. So between now and the next three weeks, there's going to be a lot of moving and shifting, even within the, the seven to ten ranges, I guess, right? The Battlehounds, Street Spirits, Mustangs, and Underdogs, they've lost some players for sure. A lot of injuries have happened over the course of the season. Guys getting out, guys losing roles to other players as well. And uh, the Brigade, the Brigade have actually spent some time in that 7-10 to 10 range, so I would expect just one game back that to, to the for the Brigade to be the team that probably makes it in there at some point, although... Like with anything, right? When anyone puts out any kind of list, you kind of say, well, who do you bump, right? Well, who do you bump? Are you bumping the Mustangs? Are you bumping the underdogs? Again, there's still a couple of games ahead, but again, we still have three weeks left of basketball to be played, so very much looking forward to that. And again, I'll use the Street Spirits as an example on this side of the bracket. You know, the Street Spirits are in a playing spot. They have Pascal Siakam on their roster. Pascal Siakam plays for the Toronto Raptors, of course. If the Raptors and Street Spirits make it to the top eight, right? If they make it to the actual, like, quote-unquote, like, real NBA playoffs, then the Street Spirits will begin the play-in draft with Pascal Siakam on their roster, right? If you if that makes sense. They will start with them on the roster, although in the actual play-in tournament, when the draft for that starts, no team will have Pascal Siakam on their roster. The Spirits could certainly draft him. Maybe the Battlehounds would. Maybe the Mustangs would if that's how things remain today. But that's kind of how the play-in tournament kind of works, essentially, from a fantasy perspective. So just keep that in mind when you're uh, when you're thinking about how to draft these rosters and, and those kinds of things. We'll go over the specific rules and, and dates going forward. But again, the play-in tournament for the NBA starts on April 11th, which is a Monday. And uh, Street Spirits are in Italy. I believe the Majesty, our friends over at the Majesty, are in Australia. They're all over the place. I think you have some people. And, and I think from the Street Spirits, we have guys in Venice, Rome, maybe Milan, I believe, is some of those guys. And then in Australia, you have people in Melbourne and Perth. And so, and Australia is a big place, right? So we're going to try and, uh, and, and have a time that works for everyone. I think a lot of the people involved at UFF and in the UFBA specifically are uh, in North America, most of them on the East Coast, some on the West Coast some kind of in the middle in that mountain and central time zone. But because we do have some friends in Italy and Australia, we'll do our best to make sure that everyone gets to participate. Everyone gets to participate. Although um, if, uh, you know, if the Australian, our Australian friends and the majesty are uh, not participating in the playing tournament, it might make it things a little bit easier, but there you go. That's the UFBA standings as well. Um, I did want to get to show you guys some of the some of the more fun plays and some of the more surprising things that have happened around the NBA in recent uh, recent days. Let's say so. Let's get out of this and go take a look at here it is. This uh, play by our friend LeBron James, who again I mentioned is owned by the Skyhooks. LeBron is is having a great year, even though the Lakers aren't right. I mean, the Lakers are the Lakers toast probably. Right? Probably. I don't like saying that because the Lakers, much like the Knicks, are one of the crown jewels of the NBA. So I think the NBA, I, I hate to say it, but I think the NBA is better when the Lakers, Celtics, and Knicks are all good. Even though I think, you know, I actually don't have any beef with the Lakers personally. Although, apart from the fact that Kobe once scored 81 points on my birthday... 
Uh, I uh, don't really hold any <laughs> ill will towards the Lakers, especially during the LeBron James era, right? I mean, how can you, I, you know, there no, there's no natural rivalry there unless you're like a Spurs fan or a Suns fan or a Warriors fan or something like that. Someone out on the West Coast somewhere, Western Conference stuff. But either way, this was from a couple days ago when LeBron James went back to Cleveland, much like he did for the All-Star game, and uh, put on a show for the people, his former fans who uh, cheered him for, for the beginning and much of his career. And uh, this is him going up against his pal Kevin Love, and I just, I can't believe he did this to him. Let's watch this clip. Oh, uh, I love, I love that the play-by-play -play guy basically just says, oh my lord, so good. And yeah, LeBron James using Kevin Love's body like a ladder. Good lord, he climbed, he climbed that like he was climbing a ladder and just dunked on his pal Kevin Love. I believe after the game, someone asked LeBron, uh, you know, hey, how could you do that to your friend? And I, I think obviously they took it in stride. LeBron, I think Love tweeted about it afterwards saying, hey, uh, I hope I'm still invited to the wedding. And so, you know, all these different kinds of things, right? So I, uh, clearly they're still good with each other, which is kind of funny, but it's just hilarious to see that LeBron at age, what, 37 is still getting up like that and dunking on people. And Kevin Love is not a small guy by any means, right? So watching him do that was absolutely ridiculous. From a fantasy perspective, LeBron James has been ridiculous this season, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know that he's really helping the, the Lakers to too many actual wins when it comes to uh, when it comes to real life wins. He probably is helping your team to fantasy wins, right? He doesn't turn the ball over a lot. I mean, he does for someone who handles it as much as he does, but he doesn't turn the ball over a whole ton. Uh, he does score a an absolutely ridiculous amount. I believe now, I believe he is just behind. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for second place in regular season points. I think he might be the leader in playoff points, like in, in total regular season playoff points all time, but just regular season, I believe LeBron is still second place. But either way, I mean, you gotta imagine over the next couple of seasons, LeBron is going to be uh, number one in that category soon. Um, it's funny, we had, I'd seen him when he played the Raptors recently. We'd seen him like huck the ball at Scotty Barnes's head. And I admit he kind of like... You see him do the kind of stuff and he's a superstar and you kind of think to yourself, eh, it makes him kind of hard to cheer for sometimes. But you know what? LeBron James is LeBron James and he's always going to be one of the greatest players of all time. So to see him doing what he's been doing at his advanced age, advanced age, advanced age for a basketball player, I should say, right? For a normal human being, complete, I think he's like, what, five years older than me? But still, advanced age for a basketball player um, is, is pretty remarkable. I mean, I guess... I guess it, it's to be expected from a guy who is a genetic freak. I've always thought that if there was like an alien invasion and we needed some person to be like the perfect soldier, it would be LeBron James because LeBron is basically like, you know, like in, in, in um, those like Arnold Schwarzenegger movies and so on, I could easily see LeBron or like Aaron Donald or one of those guys as the, as the template for the army, the clone army, like in Star Wars, right? Anyways, get off the nerd stuff. Um, LeBron James is fantastic. He leads the NBA in scoring on a per game basis and... I would even I would imagine the Lakers aren't going to make the playoffs so is he going to be a huge factor when it comes to fantasy basketball the rest of the season? Eh, I don't really think so. Honestly, I I would be shocked. I'd be pleasantly surprised. Maybe is a better way of saying it if LeBron James and the Lakers did make the playoffs. Um let's keep looking at some of this stuff. This one was fascinating to me. This one is from uh last night as well. The Heat and who knows what's going on with the Heat, right? I saw this clip and I thought to myself, are they fighting the other team? And then I realized, no, they're fighting themselves. So let's uh, let's watch this. It's just, uh, it's pretty wild that, it's pretty wild, here we go. It's pretty wild that this is something that happened. So there's no there's no play-by-play -play going on here. Um, it's just like this camera view of what's happening. So you can see Jimmy Butler clearly arguing. 
Eric Spolstra just throwing his clipboard on the ground, clearly pissed. Clearly, right? There's P.J. Tucker picking it up for him. Um, you can see on the kind of top right underneath the NBC Sports logo, you can see Udonis Haslam being physically restrained by Bam Adebayo. And uh, then here we are, we kind of zooms in here. Spolstra and Butler, like, going back at each other pretty pretty heatedly. Lowry calling for a timeout, right? <laughs> There's a, there are multiple angles of this. I probably couldn't play the other one for you guys because there was some cussing and so on that was going on inside of it. Uh, so I, you know, just to stay on the safe side, I wanted to you know, be be safe and didn't want to play anything that could be a little uh, be a little iffy, right? But I have no idea what was going on there. I, I don't know if it's that Jimmy Butler, whenever he is not playing well, it almost is like he freezes himself out of the offense, right? I mean, he shoots threes, for example, at a historically awful pace, and I want to say he shoots threes at maybe what, like a like a like a less than ten percent pace. I mean, he doesn't also. It doesn't take a lot of threes, to be fair. When you have someone like Tyler Harrow and Duncan Robinson on your team, you don't really need to be doing that too much yourself. But at the same time, my goodness, that, that scuffle with the Heat last night, I don't know what's going on. They are the number one overall seed in the Eastern Conference right now, so I'm fascinated to see if that has any ripple effects, especially Giannis Haslam, who's been on the team for ages, right? I mean, Haslam was one of the players on the team when they won the NBA championship in 2006 with Dwayne Wade when they beat the Mavericks in the NBA Finals. I just... I'm fascinated to see what goes on there, and uh, the clip that I couldn't play for you, you can see Eric Spolstra say, what, are you going to bleeping fight me? They were arguing on the bench, and then Haslam clearly sticking up for his head coach, point, kind of getting his finger in his face and saying, I will beat your bleep, right? <laughs> Just saying that to him and getting in his face, and Butler clearly took exception to that. The, 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 it, it spilled out onto the actual court. And uh, there you go, right? So that is just brutal stuff for the Heat. But hey, we'll see if it ha has any kind of ripple effects. I, I, maybe it does. But again, Eric Spolstra is also one of the better head coaches in the NBA. So hey, I have no doubt he can uh, contain this kind of locker room type squabble. Um, Lowry, by the way, you can see him do the kind of the timeout signal. Uh, right before that, on the clip, I, the angle I couldn't really show you, there's a there's an angle where someone who is sitting courtside is filming what's going on, and Lowry is in the middle of this conversation, just gets up and walks away. It's like he's he is watching his parents fight, and just was like, nah, I want no part of this, and is out, which is kind of funny, considering we have not seen Kyle Lowry actually play that much in a Heat uniform, although with about, what, 10, 15 games left in the regular season, I bet we will see him play a whole lot more. But yeah, that's just... I can't believe that happened. I just saw that happen last night. I'm like, is this real? This is this a real thing that's happening? But apparently it is. So uh, there you go. Let's look at a couple of uh, tweets as well. I wanted to get to this one here because this one is interesting. Uh, the way the reason this is, is important, progress towards further changes towards the NYC private sector vaccine mandate has inspired that Brooklyn's Kyrie Irving could be back on court for home games in the near future. Yankees and Mets players will be cleared for opening day too. And of course, Jeff Passan is uh, Woj's uh, colleague at ESPN, and he does a lot of the same news breaking that Woj does just for baseball. And uh, I just find this interesting because how many times have we spoken all season long about Kyrie Irving being... Like, not being selfish necessarily, but just because he wasn't available to play for a team that needed him, and they were, they were really struggling without him. Kevin Durant had missed time with injury as well. Seth Curry now has a sprained ankle, apparently, so the team needs Kyrie Irving. And uh, now here we go. The private sector vaccine mandate <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> is changing. And uh, to see Kyrie Irving be able to play, and he did play a couple nights ago, and just lit people up. 
because he's Kyrie Irving, essentially, right? So to see him play with KD on court, I mean, this basically means the Nets are going to be that team. I know this is such a cliche. It's such a sports cliche. You never want to be, you never want to use the, they're the team no one wants to play, play in the playoffs, right? I mean, the Blue Jays, it felt like, were that team had they made the playoffs last year, and obviously they didn't, so I mean, the point is moot, but the Nets are going to be that team, right? The Nets are going to be that team, although I will say, they clearly have the Yankees to thank for this, right? Aaron Judge, not vaccinated. I think Anthony Rizzo is also unvaccinated. There were a couple other players on the Yankees who were clearly unvaccinated as well. Um, if you go to Passon's Twitter feed, you can see, I think there was some concern about Trevor Story potentially not being vaccinated. He signed that giant $140 million deal with the Red Sox. I think he is now because the, the question, it wasn't just, could they play in New York, but could they play in, in Canada as well, certain other jurisdictions around the United States. So um, clearly that won't be an issue, at least for playing in New York, because I couldn't imagine <laughs> the New York not letting Aaron Judge, like imagine Aaron Judge did not play for the Yankees to start the year because of that, not because he was injured, but because of a vaccine mandate. People were already pretty pissed and I can only imagine that would have extended too. The Brooklyn Nets are not nearly as big of a deal in the state of New York as the Knicks are or the Yankees are, obviously. But at the same time, this clearly helps them because if the Knicks, uh, pardon me, if the Nets end up being one of those teams that play in the play-in and they have Kyrie Irving back, Hey, then I, I'm, I'm really fascinated by this. Although it does make me wonder, Kyrie had said, uh, he had said a lot of times that it wasn't just about not getting the vaccine for a personal reason, that it was also about not getting the vaccine because he stood with the, the, the workers who couldn't actually get and, and, you know, get their, get their job opportunities and so on. Cause it wasn't fair for him to be playing and to, because he could get a vaccine and for those people to not be working in the arenas and so on. I don't think it's changed for the in arena workers. So if Kyrie does play, does that? I'm I'm genuinely asking. I, I don't really I don't really think it does, but I I wonder if people might view him a little differently because he, he did make a big deal about it being all about the principle of the thing, and and those people I don't think can still work. So what do they think, right? What do the people who got laid off think if Kyrie Irving says, oh, okay, well it, it it affects me, I'm going back to play some basketball, right? So. Anyways, I, I'm fascinated by the whole, the, the kind of intersection of sport and real life, right? Because we often say it's when, we, when you work in sports that, you know, it's kind of like working in the toy box and sports is to a degree a reflection of real life. But uh, I, I, I'm endlessly fascinated by Kyrie's stance on this. Um, I think he's backed off the flat earth thing, right? I, I'm pretty sure. But either way, he is a transcendent basketball player. And if he can play next to Kevin Durant in the playoffs, we didn't see him too much last year because of the injury. James Harden got injured as well. I'm I'm going to be endlessly fascinated to see whoever takes on the Nets in the play-in. Please, for the love of God, don't let it be my Toronto Raptors. Please let the Raptors play literally any other team but the Kyrie Irving, <laughs> Kevin Durant Nets. Although the way, I mean, if they end up being the play-in, they'll probably have to play each other anyways. But I'm really hoping it ends up being like Nets 8, Raptors 7, and then the Heat and Net can take on each other and we can see Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant take on Jimmy Butler and those guys, right? But anyways, uh, that's that was an interesting development and because it, it does actually change who is available for your fantasy playoffs and for the real-life playoffs as well. The last thing I wanted to get to before we go is this. Phoenix Sun star Chris Paul will indeed play tonight. This is from earlier this afternoon against the Denver Nuggets after being out 15 games with a fractured left thumb. League sources tell Yahoo Sports. Chris Haynes, who we, uh, whose tweets we have not featured on the show before, but here you go. Chris Paul going to suit up tonight. He had been listed as probable, I think, around lunchtime today, and uh, he is going to play, which is a great news, certainly for the Phoenix Suns, although they did have the stranglehold 
on the top of the Western Conference for basically all season. I had kind of maybe thought the Warriors would be able to catch up to them without Chris Paul, but the truth is, when uh, Steph Curry doesn't play, the Warriors are a god-awful team. And I thought maybe Clay Thompson's return would change that. Maybe... Uh, Draymond Green's return would play that. Maybe Jordan Poole, who has been a valuable fantasy asset and has stepped up a lot this year. I genuinely thought <laughs> without uh, without Steph Curry, they'd still be able to at least tread water, stay in that top those top seeds. Uh, apparently not. Apparently the uh, style of play that the Warriors do is uh, so dependent on what Steph Curry does with the ball in his hands at all times that, uh, you know, I'm not convinced they're that good a team without Steph Curry, right? So... The Phoenix Suns have managed to be very good without Chris Paul, and I'm sure Gage and the Midnight Owls are thrilled that Chris Paul is coming back. They had announced in the uh, group chat yesterday that there was a chance they could come back, and then uh, some of our pals and the other teams, I think the Majesty actually said, hey, it's okay, Gage, rest rest him. Keep him in the IR spot. We don't need to see Chris Paul anytime soon. Well, it looks like the Phoenix Suns do want to see him. The amount he plays tonight, that's going to be fascinating to watch. Maybe we revisit this next week, but I'm going to be really fascinated to see how uh, Chris Paul ends up being the, you know, how what he ends up doing as the on the court I know he kind of is the leader on the court he has the ball in his hands a lot does he defer to Devin Booker anymore but either way anytime Chris Paul is on the court has got to be a plus right uh, I wonder how many people out there actively remember just kind of as a complete aside I genuinely wonder how many people remember Chris Paul uh playing for the New Orleans Hornets not the New Orleans Pelicans I actually don't remember if if CP3 had ever actually played for that franchise when they were called the Pelicans, I think he had already left and then they changed the name or maybe it was that way for one season or something like that. He did play with Anthony Davis. Doesn't it feel like a million years ago that Chris Paul and Anthony Davis were at or or, or on the Pelicans slash Hornets around the general same time? Feels like, honestly, it feels like a million years ago. But a skinny Chris Paul. I remember there was a, a year in the playoffs where he scored like 60 points and then there was another year in the playoffs where they lost by 60 points. What a, what a wild time. There was that year Chris Paul got traded to the I believe it was the Lakers and then or maybe it was the Clippers it was one of the one of the Staples Center teams now crypto.com arena um, one of those teams and and then the trade got vetoed by the NBA commissioner and everyone was up in arms about it and then I think he ended up going to the Clippers later that offseason or something like that but either way uh, always fun stuff when it comes to the NBA trades but again yeah Midnight Owls and the Suns gonna be very pleased that CP3 is back. But yeah, that kind of does it for another episode of our basketball program here on the UFF Sports Network, Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network as well. Um, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Next week, uh, we'll probably have a guest on. We'll probably be joined by Daniele Franceschi, our UFBA scouting director, to see how March Madness is going, chat about some of the other prospects that were registered on the open market uh, over, the, over the last couple of weeks, right? For now, now a week, next week, couple of weeks, right? <laughs> uh, we'll chat with Kevin Lewis as well at some point around... Maybe how the UFWBA is going ahead of the uh, WNBA draft on April 11th. And, uh, of course, I do want to get on some of our UFF-sponsored athletes, Troy Bowers, um, Otis Birdsong, and so on. Like There are a lot of really cool athletes who are a part of our platform, and they're going to be joining me on Twitch here on UFBA today in the not-too-distant future. So all that to look forward to and more. Um, always fun. Thank you for having along, coming along here with me on UFBA today, and I will chat with you guys next week. <laughs>